Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Hashtag church, find a place where you belong. And today we're going to look at the responsibilities of belonging. The responsibilities of belonging. And what I would like you to do right now is get out your pen. And what I would like you to do next to, next to where it says the responsibilities of belonging, just put an equal sign and then just write own it or owning it. So the responsibilities of belonging. So, so what this means is that in my life and, and in my relationship with the church, I want to own it. Now, as we think about that, this whole idea of taking on responsibilities and owning something, I, I'm going to tell you there are certain things in your life that you don't want to own. And there are certain things in my life I don't want to own either. As an example, one of the things in my life that I do not want to own is a boat. And, and, and the reason why is because I have something better than a boat. I have a family member who has a boat. And, and it is much better. It's much better to have this boat to use than it is for me to own that boat. And the reason why is when we go up to the in-laws and they have the boat, uh, I usually call ahead and say, we're going to come. Can we use the boat? And every year they say yes. And so when I get there, my father-in-law, because he's a very conscientious person, tells me, Got the boat running, everything's going great, it's full of gas, it's all ready to go. And, and so I take it out every day, I'm, I'm very faithful, I, I fill it up with gas. And then on the very last day, usually we take an extra half day of vacation that I not only fill it up with gas, but we, we back the boat into the driveway and I completely rip it apart. I mean, we, we take that boat completely apart, everything out of it. I clean it, and it is sparkling like new, and it, and it looks great. And the reason why I do that is I, I try to be conscientious in how I use it. And I, I just want him to know how much I appreciate it. And that's because I appreciate using it and not having to own it. And the reason why is because this time of year, uh, because he's up in South Dakota, he's winterizing the boat, making uh, sure that he has a place to store the boat. In the spring, when he finally gets it out, then he's got to get the engine running again to make sure it's going well. If there are any problems with this boat, they are not my problems. They are his problems. And just cleaning it and filling it with the gas that I'm going to use is is really not that big a deal. Don't own it. But yet there are some things I do want to own. And, and so as we consider that, the first blank I, I would like you to fill out, and that is, in life, it is important to understand the why. Why? Why do I want to own something? Because even though I don't own a boat, I just use it, that I do own a car, and I do own a home. And as I look at, at, at the car, there are people in my home who don't own the car, 
don't want to own the car because right now they use it. And, and they, use, they use the car the same way I use the boat, except they don't fill it with gas or clean it. And, and so I take care of those things with not only the gas, the oil changes, the tires, making sure that the routine maintenance is done. And if there's a problem and if something needs to be fixed, it comes back to me. And I have, I have to take care of it. But it's worth it to me. And the reason why is because when I need to go to the hospital to go visit people, when I need to make calls on members, when I, I need to, to get different places, it is worth it. All of the, the time and money that I have invested in a, a vehicle, in my car, is worth it because when I need to be somewhere immediately that I don't have to, to ride my bike a mile to, to the bus and, and that I uh, don't have to have the bus pass to try to get where I need to go. And so as I look at it, the why. Why will I want to invest time? Why will I want to invest energy? Why will I want to invest money in something that I'm going to own? And I want you to, to keep this question in your mind with this lesson because today's lesson is not about a boat or a car or a house. It's not about renting versus ownership as much as it is my relationship with Jesus and my relationship with his church. That when I become part of the family, when I become part of God's family, why am I going to want to own this relationship? Why am I going to want to invest my, my time and energy and money in this relationship, not only with, with my God, but also with these other people that are around me? The why. We are going to get to that. And, and as we consider that, we're going to start by looking at the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, beginning with the 11th verse. And what we're going to see in these verses is what it looks like when someone does not have ownership in their relationship with God and they do not have ownership in their relationship with the church. Hebrews 5.11 says, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, as we look at this, and, and again, this idea of ownership and, and not having ownership and, and being a, a user, what, what God is doing is he's pointing out to the, these people that they, they have come to know Jesus as their Savior, and, and, and so they, they believe in Jesus. And then what happens is, is over a period of time, they, they don't take ownership. And so what happens is he calls them immature, he calls them Infants, he, he calls them little babies. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment on how babies and, and how we treat babies and, and what it's like to have a, a culture of being a child. The most simple way of saying it would be babies need you to do everything 
for them. Okay? Think about that with, with the babies. When they cry, it, it's usually, I'm hungry, I'm poopy, or uh, I just want some attention, or I'm in a bad mood. Uh, those types of things where, that when you look at them, and so what happens is they need constant attention and constant monitoring. They might be okay by themselves for a short period of time, but then it, it's, again, doing all these things constantly. And what, what the writer is telling the Hebrews is that is the way you are spiritually. You want someone to do things for you all of the time. And so when you come here, you want me to drop everything and feed you. When you come here, you want us to drop everything and make sure that you have everything that you need, that you are entertained. You come here and you want us to clean up your messes that you make in your lives. I want you to think about that for a moment and how ownership is different. Because what happens is, is when it comes to growing up, uh, usually, we, we try to think of how we encourage kids to grow up. When they're about two or three years old, that we want them to go uh, on the potty. And, and so how do you encourage them? Do you want to be a big boy? Do you want to be a big boy and, and not have to wear that diaper anymore? Oh, look at all the other kids that they don't have a diaper like you do. So we try to praise them or shame them into uh, doing what you want them to do. And so hopefully one day the why will make sense to them and they'll say, all right, I need to take ownership in where I go to the bathroom. And then they do. We had a a, a similar problem with a a child who who sucked his thumb. And, And it went on until he was three, four five years old, and then finally it was the same thing. What cured it? Going to school. And when he went to school, there's no way he wanted anyone else to know that that he was sucking his thumb like a little baby, and then it changed. So what happens is the culture around us can make us grow up. But what had happened with these people, with the Hebrews, is the culture they had was a culture of being babies spiritual babies they had a culture where where they did not show ownership and where they did not grow up and and so finally what happened is is it took the writer to write this this letter and say do you understand what each one of you are you're a user you are using each other you are are using god and and that is not being part of a family that is not having a relationship with god And you need to understand, and I need to understand as well, that that is the default we have in us because of our sinful nature. Our our default says, don't be an owner. Why do that when when I can go do what I want and use others, use them to get what I want? And that's wrong. And that's sinful. And it keeps us from, from what God has to offer here, and that is truly belonging. And truly being part of the family. In the blank you can write, God does not want you to sit on the sidelines. He wants you to grow up and get in the game. 
taking on that ownership, taking on the responsibilities of being part of a family. And so what we've done here is we've looked at one example in a congregation where they have a culture where that, that is not happening. And then in the book of First Thessalonians, we have a totally different culture where it is happening, where these, where these people needed to grow up and they needed to take ownership immediately because they were under such persecution that they, they needed to sink or swim. And so this is what their congregation looked like. First Thessalonians 1 verse 3. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as, as Paul wrote to these people in Thessalonica, what he realized is they did take ownership. That, that it was, man, it, they really kind of came on board and, and they uh, made this a part of their lives. Now, the question is, why? Why does one group stay like spiritual infants and, and why does another group grow up? And the answer is found in, in this lesson. So where did these works come from? Where does this labor come from? Where does this endurance come from? In the blank, you can write, works are produced by faith. Works are produced by faith. Labor is prompted by love. And endurance is inspired by hope. Works are produced by faith. Labor is prompted by love. Endurance is inspired by hope. Okay, so, so what does this look like? So, so now as they look at, at, at wanting to take ownership, why they would do that, that they need to take a step back to the source. Where, where is the, the power going to come from? It's, it's going to come from faith. And as we think of, of faith, I don't want you to think in terms of, of necessarily something you do. But what I would like you to think of is the object of your faith. Not the fact that you believe, but the one that you believe in. And so one of the ways that we do that, that we remember on a regular basis, the object of our faith is in the Apostles' Creed. That we believe in, in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his Son, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. And so what happens is this, that as we look at our God and, and what he has done and who he is, and, and that faith we have in him, that he works through that, the Holy Spirit works through that, that faith in him to produce works in our lives. Also, the next one, there is labor, another word for work that is prompted by love. And, and as we think about this, again, this is easy to think of it in terms of this is my love, right? That I love God and therefore I'm going to do that. But I'd like you to take a step back from that even and, and not think in terms of work coming from your love because ultimately, for all of us, our love dries up. We need to go to the well of love. 
And that's God's love for us. God's love for us is what is going to drive us to want to own it. God loved the world, right? So that he gave his one and only son. God showed his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Read through the Bible. And, 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 and when you look at all the different love passages and all of them showing the great love that God has for us that prompted him to give something to us, which prompts us to give something to others. There's kind of an expression in counseling that says, hurt people, hurt people. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but it's this truth that if you find someone who's hurting someone else, somewhere along the way, they most likely have been hurt, and and that's why they're sharing that. But I have a different counseling uh, advice to give you. How about this? Loved people love people. And as you look at it, that ultimately becomes the why. The why of Christian service. I have been loved by God. I have been loved by Jesus Christ who came into this world, who took ownership in, in, his, in his relationship with me and loved me. And now as I, I take ownership in, in, in that relationship, not only does he say, you are my child, but as David said in the Psalms, I say to the Lord, you are my God. And so we have this, this relationship of belonging that's not ownership as much as, as it is relationship. That we look at that great love and, 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 and we say, you are my God. And since these are your children, this is my family. The final one is endurance is inspired by hope. The word that, that sometimes comes around church is burnout, right? I'm getting burned out. I'm, I'm getting burned out, which means I can sprint. I can get a lot of work done. But when it goes long distance, if I have to do this for six months or a year or five years or for the rest of my life, where, where does that endurance come from, from keeping on and keeping going? And that comes from hope. And hope is the things that we don't have yet. That God promises that one day we will have. And so as we look at the things we hope for, ultimately that, that hope is, is the certain hope of being with the Lord one day in heaven. So, so as I'm, I'm going through, through my life and, and feeling like, man, it's just so hard to go on. The answer then is looking at the promises of God. And, and what he has for, for us to look forward to, for you to look forward to in your future. In the blank at the bottom, you can write the source of my desire to take on the responsibilities of belonging must come from Christ. Again, the source of my desire to take on the responsibilities of belonging must come from Christ. And I want you to stop here because if you don't get this right, none of the rest of the sermon matters. And if you don't get this right, none of the things you do in in trying to serve God or serve other people in your life matter. Because with God, God, the why is all important. I'm going to say that again. The why is very important. Now, I'll use a little uh, 
example to show you why. This example is not true, okay? This example is not true. So if anyone's sleeping and you wake up, this example's not true, okay? But imagine that, that I found out my mother, who's in perfect health right now, if I found out that, that she was sick with cancer and they told her that, that the end was going to be coming and that she might have three to six months to live. And then I would come up next week in front of you here at Crosswalk and say, I found out my mother's very ill and I really feel like it's my responsibility as her child to be with her for the end of her life. And so what I'm asking for is I'm asking that Crosswalk give me three months or four months, whatever it is, as a leave, leave of absence. I'm not asking to get paid. I'm asking for a leave of absence to go in and be with her until she dies. I understand that if you feel like you, you need someone here and you want to call a different pastor to take my place, I understand it. There would be no hard feelings, but this is what I, I feel I need to do. I don't know what you would think of me if, if I said that. Some might think, nice mama's boy, what's that all about? But others might say, you know what, that is truly loving, that he would love his parent and want to take care of her that way. But what if you found out the reason why is my mom's worth about $10 million, and I have seven brothers and sisters who want to get their slimy hands on that money, And so the reason why I want to go there is because I don't want her changing her will in the last three months so that I'm out of it. And and that's all I need is is for them to say, if Dan really cared, he'd be here. Why don't you sign this, Mom? And, and, And we'll show him. Do you see why the why matters? How quickly you can go from being a a loyal, loving son to a money hungry uh yeah, you know. You, you fill in the blank. And, and so it is with, with our God. That, that what our God does is, is to say, do you realize if, if the why is always going to be wondering, am I doing this just to get the inheritance from God? Am I doing this just, just so everybody else doesn't get this inheritance that's rightfully mine? That God says, how about this? How about I take that off the table? It would be like my mom calling me and saying, Dan, I'm going to die, but here's the deal. The will's not going to change. You get everything. Now, how you want to respond in in love is up to you. And that makes every act of, of kindness and love that I show sincere. Because it takes care of the why. And that's what Christ has done for you. That's what God has done for you. That as he looks at the, these works, he's not saying this, is, this isn't the way that you're going to get into the family. This isn't the way that you're going to get the inheritance. That's already been given to you. That's already been won for you through Jesus Christ. And now having given those to you, I want you to respond in love. Respond to the love that you have been given by showing love back to me, and by showing love to the family. The why is important. As a matter of fact, the why is the most important. And the why has been given to us through Jesus Christ.
But there's also a what. And so now there's this why do I want to belong? Why do I want to own? Now what does ownership entail? And as he writes to the Thessalonians again, this is a little bit later in chapter 1, he says this. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. And you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. And now what happened with their ownership, with their showing love that that Christ had shown to them, that now these individuals had become a model, a role model for others. That they were owning it and they showed other Christians what it was and, and what it looked like when you own your faith. In the blank, the first blank, you can write, once we establish the why, we deal with the what. Now, what is it? What is it that, that belonging? What is it that, I, that God wants me to do? And the next one, on the top of the next page, the Holy Spirit leads me to respond to God's word by imitating what I see in Christ and other Christians. By imitating what I see in Christ and other Christians. That's pretty bold. I don't know if he, for Paul to say, I want you to imitate me. I want you to watch what I do, and I want you to do it as well. I thought about that, and, and this week, actually, when we were doing devotions, a passage similar to this came up, and I thought, what would it look like if everyone at Crosswalk acted like I do? <laughs> and then I thought, maybe, maybe not. And, and, and so this isn't saying that you should be just like me and act like exactly like me or, or that you don't have different gifts set than I do. But, but as you look at it, I, I, I would say that for those of you who know me and you see me, I, I think you would know that I do have a forgiving heart. That, that having been forgiven by Christ, uh, I mean, I'm not perfect, I get that, but but the forgiveness of sins is something that's my privilege to, to share with people, and I love to do. That, that if you were to talk to my family, I, we could establish immediately that I'm not perfect. But I think we could also establish that I love them and that there is not anything that I wouldn't do for them. And I think the staff would feel that way as well. And for people that I've worked with at Crosswalk as well, that you know that I, I do care. And the reason why I do that, the why is Christ. The source of it is the well of, of Christ's love that I continue to go back to. And so having been forgiven, I do want to model Christ. And, and the parts that you see in me that are Christ-like, I encourage you to model and to live in your lives as well. Because that's the way it is, is that as we look at Christ and as we live it and others see us, there is encouragement and, and role models uh, that are natural. Live your Christian faith. That's what he's talking about. And now, what are you going to see? Acts 17, verse 2. Acts 17, verse 2 says, As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. As was his custom. This is, this is what Paul did. If you were looking for the Apostle Paul on a Saturday, 
which was the Sabbath, go to the synagogue. I guarantee you that's where he would be. And, and as you, you think about that, this is also for some of you who, who sometimes are looking for Jeff and I. Saturday nights and Sunday mornings, this is where we're going to be, okay? I, I don't know if that's a surprise, except 52 Sundays out of the year that, that we have four off. So 48 out of 52 will be at this church. And those other four were most likely going to be at another church in whatever city we happen to be in. And, and I don't know if uh, this is something that it was in the, the house I grew up in. In case no one has told you, be in church every Sunday. That one out of four Sundays is, is not regular attendance. And, and two out of four if 50%, if, try that on your math test. But, but as we are looking at this, this is the point. Paul was modeling something for these people. And that was uh, uh, when it's time to worship, when, when Christ is here and, and in word and, and sacrament we find him, this is where we want to be. So uh, again, the, the start of this, of being regular in worship. The next one. Acts 2, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So now if that worship part really seems to, to revolve around the weekend, that time when, when we get to gather together with other Christians, now what happens is this is also something we do in our everyday life. That they gathered together, whether it be started with personal devotions or family devotions or what we would call a growth group. That it was time that, that once a week just seems to be encouraged through Christ. Uh, man, that's just not enough. That we want to be together and encourage one another. And they were being role models for these people that they should do the same. And then finally, we go to Luke 22 and, and we look at Jesus. And he says, for who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. I'm among you as one who serves. My, I would say my father, more than anyone else, taught me what it meant to serve. And, and it's so funny because... He had this expression that I used to hate. And, and the, his expression was, what, do you need a written invitation to help? And so this would be like if, if we were in a parking lot and there was a lady walking with a bag of groceries and he knew I saw her, he'd be like, what, do you need a written invitation to go ask her if she needs some help? No. We'd, we'd be at church. Some people were carrying tables or taking things down. And I was watching do you need a written invitation to go help them? Seriously? Don't you see they need help? And, and so that was the way my dad was, is that he always kept us looking for opportunities to serve. And the, the sad and pathetic part, I love that line with my kids. I do. It's like, what do you need, a written invitation? Do the dishes, to do, you know, whatever it is, that, to be able to see things and, and need to get them done. And you know what really helps you to do that? Ownership. Because if you're just borrowing something and you're just using something 
If you're just renting it, they'll take care of that. That's their problem, not mine. But when it comes to ownership, now I want to make sure I take care of something. I take care of it like it's mine. Three areas where I can carry out my responsibility of belonging at Crosswalk is in worship, being here. God's word is here. Christ is here. I'm going to be here too for worship. Secondly, in growth groups, gathering together, studying with God's word, devotional life. And the third one is ministry teams. Those three things that if you're looking at ownership and belonging, that is how you find them. And what we've recognized is is that as we do those things, it's possible to do those things and and still sometimes feel a little disconnected. That that I'm going to tell you, this isn't a science. There's an art to it. And there's an art to being involved and an art to being part of the family. And so what we have, uh, the next blank you can write, to help people get plugged in and connected at Crosswalk, we have a program called Hashtag Church. To help people get plugged in and connected at Crosswalk, we have a program called Hashtag Church. Hashtag Church is this message series, okay? But now after this, Hashtag Church is going to be a different event that happens once a month. Now, just because I've talked to some people and I've asked them, have you heard about Hashtag Church? Just so you know, Hashtag Church is not a website, okay? It's not. It's not something you're going to find on the internet or anything like that. But below you can see a few things of what Hashtag Church is. First of all, as I just said, Hashtag Church is the first Sunday of each month. And and what's going to happen on that first Sunday of the month that, that we are going to meet over on the other side where Ignite and Radiate is. And it, it's going to be a half-hour meeting uh, gathering. I would call it not a meeting, a half-hour gathering. That's it. So if you go to Hashtag Church, and I'm asking you to consider it, what we're asking for is 30 minutes of your time, of which... Uh, I'm guessing at least half of it is going to be you talking with other people and getting connected and plugged in. The second thing you can expect at Hashtag Church is they will meet you where you are at. So if this is your your first Sunday here, I encourage you to go to Hashtag Church. If you are someone who's been going here for seven years and feel like you're not quite connected or you don't know where you should go next or you don't know what type of ministry opportunity is available... Go to hashtag church. And there are going to be individuals there who are going to listen to you, listen where you're at, what your interests are, and and to help you uh, think about what your next step might be, and then introduce you to a person, connect you with a person who can help make that happen. The next one, as I already said, is 30 minutes to get you connected. That's it. It's actually going to start uh, right after the the 9 o'clock service, so at about... 10.15, I heard a rumor there's like food over there, so I'll be there from 10.15 to 10.30. And then uh, from 10.30, it'll be done by 11 o'clock. The next one, it will offer you a map on where you can go at Crosswalk. 
And one of the things that was handed out today, I think by a greeter, I, or was in your program, I hope you saw this when you came in. And what this is, is it's, it's called a seasonal roadmap. And what we recognize is people are at different places in their life, different seasons of their life. And so the first one is, says up at the top, start. So if you are someone who's new to crosswalk, it's like, there you go. There are your the three or four ideas of, of where you would get started at crosswalk. The next one is connect. And connect is for someone who, who's maybe been around a while but feels like they still haven't gotten plugged in. That would be for them. Top of the next page is lead. And that is for those who have been around, are plugged in, and, and are thinking, you know what? Maybe being a growth group leader or, or, or leading a ministry team or, or taking, using the gifts I have for leadership, I want to develop those. That would be for those people. And then the final one is, is kind of a catch-all, and that is people who are in transition. That could be people who are moving. That could be for people who are going through a job change. That could be for someone who's going through struggles with substance abuse, alcohol, drugs, things like that. Uh, someone who's going through marriage issues. Anytime you're going through a transition, uh, maybe even having a child, things like that. When you're going through a transition, it's resources that help you and get you around people that can help you through that transition. This is something, again, that, that will be, uh, you'll see again when you go to hashtag church. And then the final part is, it will take you from being a guest to a friend to part of the family. And so there are people here who are guests, and that's not bad. We're great to have you. And a, and a guest, we recognize, you'll use language like, oh, what do you do at your church? What, and, and they look at it and they say, yeah, this is the church that we are owners of. And then you go from guest to uh, a friend. And a friend starts to talk about crosswalk like it's, it's, it's ours. But then when you get to part of the family, now we talk about ownership. And when we say ownership, we say, oh, well, yeah, it's my, it's my church. It, it, it's God's church, but it's mine as well because I belong to the family. Hashtag church, finding a place where you belong. And it is something that, that at Crosswalk we want for you, but even more than that, it's, it's what Christ wants for you. He has given himself to take away your sins. And he's given you other brothers and sisters in Christ so that, that you can feel his embrace, so that you can find a place where you belong, that you can be part of that family. And as you consider that, I'd like you to, to leave you and end with First Thessalonians 1 verse 3, the memory verse. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that, that you have given us an answer to the why in our lives. And that answer is Jesus Christ. He drives everything that we do. And as you have taken ownership in us, Lord, uh, and, and you call us your children, we take ownership and say that you are my God and this is my family. Now, Lord, as we, we do that and as we live, help us to, 
to be the quote-unquote owners that you would have us be by uh, taking ownership and by showing these works that are prompted by love and, and the endurance that comes from hope and, and that others may see our faith in action and give you praise. Uh, please help us at difficult times. We need your Holy Spirit. We need your strength and we need your guidance. And Lord, we are sure that you will give it to us. And it's in Jesus' name that we thank you. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. One thing that somebody shared with me, few years ago about understanding the whole idea of why and ownership was to watch my language and and how I I talked about the privilege of of being part of God's family. And so on a Sunday morning, I don't have to preach. I get to preach. And you don't have to come to church. You get to come to church. You don't have to go to growth groups. You get to go to growth groups and you don't have to serve. You get to serve. It's my prayer that you will find that type of joy of of ownership and being part of the family of God. And and when you do, you will see that it is something to be enjoyed. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.